All right, Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 7. I am the Lord. I do not change. That is why you, descendants of Jacob, are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Let us pray. Father, I praise you. I praise you for this church. I praise you for the people in this church, Father. And you continue to put amazing people in this church. Father, it's like puzzle pieces. I was talking to somebody this week about that. It's just awesome to watch how you have just got the right people, put them in place. They've served you amazingly through the church, and it's been a perfect fit. Father, we praise you for it. And the thing is, is I know that the great thing is, Father, we're not out trying to get people. Father, you're bringing them. I know better than to do that. I want people that you bring here. So thank you so much for the people that you've placed around this leadership. Thank you again. Bo was talking about this earlier, about the vision of this church and how people have bought into it. Father, that's your vision they bought into. And I praise you for that. Thank you for confirmation. Father, today you've given me a message. I preached this sermon two years ago. And you told me this week somebody needed to hear it. Um, Father, I have no doubt I'm one of them. I have no doubt. Father, in this moment, I need you to anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Father, I need you to take all fear, anxiety, pain, distraction, anything that would distract me, Father, from giving your word. I need you to take it away. I need you to replace it with your love, your boldness today, Father. I need your boldness, your breath. Ask these things in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. All right, guys. Today's sermon title is failure. That's a stout word. I don't know about y'all. I don't like that word. Failure. I feel like all of us in life have failed somewhere at some point in time, right? And I see some Christian head nods. I'm not the only one that's failed, right? Thank you. Made me feel bad there for just a second. I'm sitting around a bunch of perfect people, you know. Guys, we're going to be today in the Old Testament most of the time. If you've got your Bibles, and if you don't, pull it up on your cell phone or whatever, but go to Genesis chapter 25. We're going to spend a lot of time in Genesis today, a little bit of Exodus and one verse in Revelation. You don't have to go to Revelation. It'll scare you to death. You got your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 25, stay there for a minute. In Genesis chapter 25, we find Isaac and his wife, Rebekah, okay? Uh, for those of you that may not know, Isaac is the son of Abraham, okay? Everybody knows Abraham. At the age of 40, Isaac married Rebekah, but right after, like, they got married, I mean, like, right off the bat, there was a problem in the marriage, and that was is that Rebekah couldn't have children, okay? So that's where we're going to pick up uh, Genesis chapter 25, verse 21. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife, because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. Okay, first of all, be very careful what you pray for. I did this one time. I prayed for patience. And God gave me four women that I live with. 
for those of y'all that are visitors, I have three daughters and one wife. I promise it's not multiple wives, okay? Like, they're like four women. And, and, and the thing is, is like, you know, that, that, that's, that's, that's what I prayed for. I always prayed for patience because I've never been a patient person. I'm still not a patient person. He, he didn't really answer my, my prayer, I guess, you know. But what he did do was he put four women around me that made me pray for patience even more than I used to, you know. Now I want to go to Genesis chapter 25. We're going to read 22 through 23. But the two children struggled with each other in their womb. So she went and asked the Lord, why is this happening to me? Because you got kids, that's what they do, right? And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son, I mean, excuse me, your, your, your older son will serve the younger son. I mean, this didn't make any sense, by the way, back in biblical times, right? I mean, that never happened. Rebecca was probably confused because usually, obviously, the older son is the one that gets the blessings. But in the very next few verses, we're going to get some confirmation. She's going to receive some confirmation. Let's look at 24 and 26. <clears throat> and then the time came to give birth. Rebecca discovered that she did indeed have twins. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat, so they named him Esau. Then other twin, or excuse me, yeah, then the other twin was born with a, uh, his hand grasping Esau's heel, so they named him Jacob. The name Jacob means deceiver. It also means supplanter, okay, to take the place of something. And I want you to notice right here at birth, Jacob was grasping the heel of Esau, trying to hold him in. So even at birth, Jacob was already trying to supplant Esau as the firstborn, okay? Y'all keep following me here. We're going to go to 27 and 33, verses 27 and 33. As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Okay, so in other words, you know, Esau, you know, he's like Micah. He's a man's man, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what he was. And, and, then, and, then, and then Jacob was more like Bojo, you know. <laughs> I'm just playing, man. I'm just playing. Isaac loved, we're going to move on. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home. But Rebekah loved Jacob. So obviously, here we go. You've got two parents that are split between kids. One is a, is a father's kid. He's a, he's a manly man. You know what I'm saying? He's that kind of guy. And then the other one is a mother's boy. He's a mama's boy. That's what he is. I'm just being honest. Like, that's what it is. Let's go to verse 29. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness, exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Next verse. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, first, you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother, Jacob. This is Jacob's first act as a deceiver. Jacob's that guy that will do anything to get what he wants. He'll cheat, lie, steal, and have no regard for others' feelings or hearts or anything of that nature. We all, we all know somebody like that. 
There's somebody like that that has come across our path in life. I promise you that. You know, we we watched, uh, we're, we're big Harry Potter fans at our house. Last night, we watched the first one. When, when Halloween comes around, we watch all the Harry Potters. So last night, we watched the first one. And, and who stuck out to me was uh, Draco. Who knows Draco? Show of hands. Bunch of nerds. Draco... <laughs> Draco was the guy, right? He's this deceiver. He's trying to manipulate and so forth. That's what I'm kind of talking about here. That's the kind of person that Jacob was at that point. So from now on, what I want y'all to think about, there's two characters that I think everybody knows. One is Draco. The other one is Scar from Lion King. Okay, yeah, a lot of head nods there, Disney people. Okay, cool. So those two, when we talk about Jacob from here forward until the very end of this sermon, that's what I want you to picture is Jacob. Can y'all do that? You got it? Good picture of Jacob there. Okay, good deal. Guess who else is a deceiver, guys? This is the one verse from Revelation, Revelation 12, 9. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world. So Jacob's not looking real good at this point, right? The problem is it gets worse, guys. Years later, uh, Isaac was getting old. He knew he was about to die, so he asked his oldest son Esau to make him some stew so he could eat his favorite meal. Uh, a lot of y'all know this story. I'm going to run through it real quick. So Esau goes out to kill, to kill the wild game so he can make the stew, but the problem was is, is, is mama overheard this, went to Jacob, said, hey, we're fixing to fool him so you can get the blessing that he was going to give Esau, okay? And, of course, Jacob... He's a squirrely guy, so he just decides he's just going to agree with mama. He's going to do this. So he does this. He goes and he gets it. And like we were talking about earlier, Esau was a hairy kid, you know, a hairy dude, got hair all over him. So he went and got like animal fur, put it on him, so forth. So he tricks his father into eating his stew and giving him the blessing that he was supposed to give Esau. Okay? That's where we're at. Jacob ends up fleeing after this because obviously Esau found out he wanted to kill him. Uh, so he takes off, flees, he, he runs from his problems. That's what he does. So, so kind of not only is he like Scar and Draco, he's also a coward at the same time. So he runs. After days and days of running, he, he gets tired. He falls asleep. He has a dream. Okay, This dream, a lot of y'all have heard this. Jacob's ladder, a lot of people talk about that, but my version says it was a stairway to heaven, and he sees the heavens open, the stairway's going up, there's angels on it, and there's something at the top that he can't quite make out. We're going to pick it up right there, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 28 now, we're going to look at 13 through 15. I'll give you just a second to get there if you're following along. Amen. Good job. Go ahead, Nick. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Verse 14. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west, to the east, to the north, and to the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. Verse 15. What's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. 
I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Notice that even though Jacob is a complete screw-up, God still wants to use him. Y'all notice that? You would think (laughs) that Jacob would have been grateful and humbled, but I want y'all to look what this fool says in verse 20 and 21. Then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. He just gave God an ultimatum. Y'all see this? I'm not really liking Jacob a whole lot. This guy's a goober, you know? After everything he has done and all he has screwed up, God is still trying to bless him, but instead of humbly accepting this blessing, he tries to strike a deal with God, a business deal. The sad thing is, guys, we're all guilty of this too. I want you to think about it. God, if you'll do this for me, I'll do this for you. Sound familiar somewhere in your walk? May not be today. I hope not. Hoping a lot of y'all are a little bit stronger on your walk than that. But somewhere along your walk, you did that, right? We want to make a deal with God. We want to, we want some give and take. Some give and take. But what we as Christians need to understand, a relationship with God, it's not a give and take relationship, guys. It's a give and give relationship. You see, we give our heart fully to him. And he gives his love fully to us. It's a give and give. It's never a give and take. Don't try to strike a deal with God, guys. But Jacob was a businessman. This is going to bring us to our Next story, in Genesis chapter 29, during his travel, Jacob meets a young lady named Rachel and falls deeply in love at first sight. Uh, Rachel had a father named Laban. Uh, He ran a a large sheep shepherding business. Uh, Laban allowed Jacob to work for him. When Laban asked him what he wanted as his wages for the work he was providing, Jacob said, I want Rachel. He told Laban he would work for him for seven years without pay if he could marry Rachel. Rachel must have been really pretty. That's a long time work for free. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'd do that for Amanda, though. Amen. I don't know if she'd do that for me. Finally, uh, after seven years had passed, it was time for Jacob to take his bride. So on the night of the wedding, when it was so dark no one could see, Laban, the father, took his daughter to the marriage chambers where Jacob awaited. The next morning, Jacob woke up with a major surprise. It uh, it was Rachel's older sister, Leah. A lot of y'all know this story, but if you don't, the Bible's weird sometimes. It's got some crazy stuff in there. I want you to go and see what Scripture says about about Lee, by the way. Genesis chapter 29, verses 16 through 17. Now, Laban had two daughters. The older daughter was named Lee, and the younger daughter 
was named Rachel. There was no sparkle in Lee's eyes, but Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. Again, Rachel was smoking beautiful, and, and Lee didn't even have a sparkle in her eye. So it just tells me she wasn't the prettiest thing in the world, okay? So what's bad is, is the trickster got tricked. Laban tells Jacob he now has to work for him another seven years if he wants Rachel. The reason why was he said, you don't give the younger daughter away first. You got to give the older one away first. So the trickster got tricked. His father-in-law tricked him. So now he's got to work another seven years. Like, man, that'd been, I, don't, I don't know if I'd have done another seven years. But this man finally, after 14 years of hard work, he finally got to marry Rachel. 14 years of work to marry Rachel. That's true love, guys. After marrying both of Laban's daughters and having a ton of kiddos, Jacob again began to be a trickster and a deceiver. He tricked Laban, his father-in-law, on a sheep deal that caused a lot of tension between him and Laban's son. So again, Jacob takes the wives and kids and flees from home. He is again a coward, running away from his troubles. Jacob decides he wants to go back to his homeland where his brother Esau lived. But of course he was scared because he was scared to death that Esau would kill him. On the way there late one night, Jacob met a man. Now, we're going to go to that. That's in Genesis 32. I'll give you a minute to flip over to it. Genesis 32, we're going to read 24 through 28. Go ahead, Nick. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they were wrestling and dislocated his hip. Then he said to Jacob, let me go for it is now daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Let's go to the, yeah, go ahead and go to 27. I'm sorry. What is your name? The man asked Jacob. He replied, your name will no longer be Jacob. He said, it will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with man and have prevailed. Israel. The word Israel means one that clings to God. What he was trying to teach him in that moment was if, if, if it was one that will cling to God, who do y'all think that was he was wrestling with? Some people say an angel. Some people say God. It's really hard for me to say God because I don't think he would have been getting beat. However, we don't know exactly who it was, but we do know this. It was of God. What God, what blows my mind is, is God could easily defeat him in a wrestling match, right? But instead, he doesn't. Instead, he allows Jacob to to do pretty good. Guys, I need y'all to understand something. Jacob is prideful, very selfish. But what God knew about Jacob was this. If I can take somebody that's that prideful and that selfish about himself, 
and get him to be that prideful and that selfish about me, great things can happen. And that's what he did in that moment. He was letting him win the wrestling match to make him think he was that strong. But it still takes time, guys. Okay, It still takes time for Jacob. Even through this process, he still messed up down the road. But there was a major change in him. Because in that moment, the nation of Israel was born. You may think Jacob was crazy for wrestling with God, but again, we do the same thing. We all wrestle with him. You know, God, why'd you allow this to happen? Why'd you allow me to get hurt? Why can't I have what they have? Why can't you fulfill all my needs now? That's how we wrestle with him. Like Jacob, guys, it's okay to wrestle with God. It's okay to wrestle with God. But what's not okay is when you're wrestling with God, you got to come out a different person. If you come out the same person, that's a problem. We all have a decision to make when we step in that wrestling ring. We can either come out as we stepped in, or we can come out as Israel, one who clings to God. It's your choice, because you're going to wrestle with him. It's going to happen. There's going to be things that happen in your life that you can't help but wrestle with him. Because it's your flesh. And I need y'all to understand, he understands that. That's why he wrestles with you. And he gives you the opportunity to come out humble. He gives you the opportunity to come out with him, clinging to him, just like Jacob did. And it changed his life. It changed an entire nation. Years later, (laughs) Jacob made a, a, a pretty major mistake again. Jacob had a son named Joseph. A lot of y'all know the story about Joseph. Uh, (laughs) Joseph was his favorite son. Number one, that's a problem. You know, he had 12 of them. And Joseph was his favorite, you know. I got three daughters, four women living in my house. I do have a favorite, and that's my cat, Gilly. She's the only one that won't back talk me, you know. But he had a favorite, and it caused a lot of tension and a lot of problems. Made him a coat, a coat of many colors. A lot of y'all know this story. Anyway, through this whole process, you know, Joseph ends up getting, you know, sold to slavery from his brother, sold him to slavery, and he goes to Egypt, and he goes through all these, you know, he's in jail a lot, and he goes through all these dreams, so forth. None of that matters. That's a whole different sermon, okay? But here's what I need to get to is at some point, Joseph ends up being like the second in command of Egypt, okay? It's a beautiful story. Go read it. But we ain't got time today. Joseph ends up being second in command. His brothers come. They find out about it. They go back to the dad, Jacob, because they think he thinks Joseph's dead. 
tells him he's alive, and Jacob makes a decision. And that decision is to take the entire family, the entire tribe of Israel to Egypt. Now, it sounds like that may not be a bad thing. The problem is, is they become enslaved. They're slaves to the Egyptians for 300 years. So the whole time they're out there and they're working in the heat and they're getting whipped, they're thinking, why in the world did Jacob bring us here? That's what they're thinking the whole time. All of Israel, that's what they're thinking. They don't like Jacob. Jacob's the one that brought us here. He should have known better. 300 years later, God comes to a man named Moses in Exodus chapter 3 at the burning bush. And God goes to Moses and he says, I hear my people crying and I'm ready to get them out of Egypt. And I need you to do it for me. Moses gives him a bunch of excuses. God says again, I don't care, I need you to do it for me. And he says, well, who in the world am I going to tell him? Who am I going to tell these people? That, that sent me to get them, to bring them out of Egypt. They're not going to listen to me. They don't like me. He says, you tell them I am that I am. And Moses sits there for a second. He says, that ain't enough. I need to tell them who sent me. Exodus 3. God said to Moses, say this to the Israelites. Your Lord the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. The God of Jacob. Why Jacob? Why not Israel? Israel's Jacob's good side. Why Jacob? God's telling us all something right here in this moment, guys. And a lot of times people miss it. Preached this sermon, I preached it two years ago. And to this day, it still gets me every time I read this dead gum verse. What he's telling you in this moment, he's not just the God of your victories, he's the God of your defeats. He's not just the God of your wins, he's the God of your losses. He's trying to tell you that in that moment, when you did something that you, you don't even want to think about, you don't want to talk about it, it's embarrassing. Maybe it was, let me put it to you this way. The moment that you lied and you hurt somebody, God was there. The moment that you snorted that line of cocaine, God was there. The moment that you stuck that needle in your arm, God was there. The moment you smoked that joint, God was there. That moment that you knocked somebody out, God was there. That moment that you abused somebody, God was there. The moment that you truly hurt somebody's heart, God was there. The moment that you stole, God was there. I'm trying to let you guys know. God don't just love a piece of us. He loves all of us. The good and the bad. There's people in this room today that needed to hear this message. I was supposed to preach on social media, and I promise I will next week. But this week, I got way too much confirmation that somebody needed to hear it. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm one of them. 
all the failures of my life, it's so good to know that even in those moments, he was there. He's still my God. He's still my Father. And the cool part about it is, is no matter how far down I go, he will lift me back up. Amen? That's what y'all need to grab a hold of today. The problems that you're going through, the struggles that you have, you're heartbroken. I get it. I know you are, but I need you to understand your God is still there. He's still there. That hurt, that pain that you have that you cannot get rid of, he's right there with you. I promise you that. Take that home today with you. Take it home with you. Hey, Nick, pull up the title again. This word, let me rephrase this. Show of hands, who in this room is a child of God? Okay. This word should not be in your vocabulary. If you're a child of God, there is no failure. There's humbling moments, but that's a good thing. You want to get humbled. You want God to humble you. That's how you learn. If you don't get humbled, you're going to be stupid. Okay? That word, we shouldn't even know that word. Take it out of your vocabulary. Don't allow your children to say it. Don't even think it. We are not failures. We're winners. If you call me a failure, then you're calling my God a failure. Because no matter the situation that I go through in life, he's right there with me. He's teaching me, he's guiding me, and he's picking me up when I fall. Get rid of that word out of your vocabulary. Grab a pen and paper, we're going to write this down. Y'all thought I was just going to hate on Jacob the whole time. I actually love Jacob. It's a great story. And Jacob did make peace with a lot of people. You can go read all that. I just didn't want to talk about it today because I was trying to prove a point. Go ahead, Nick. God's love is like an ocean. You can see its beginning, but you'll never see the end. That's the love of God. Amen? Aren't y'all glad we got a God that loves us like that? All the crap that we mess up, all the bad things that we do, all the things that we used to think were failures, he's there. Amen? Y'all give him a round of applause. 